Hey everybody, this is Taylor and you're listening to Asking for a Friend. On this podcast, I ask pastors and other Christians God has put in my life some candid questions about how to live out our faith and engage with the world as followers of Jesus. All questions are on behalf of my friends, of course. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Hey there. We are in the official podcast studio today. It feels like a studio in here. It's new and fresh. Yeah, it's my office. Yes. Kicking off strong. Yes, it's very exciting stuff. Um, but we're back. We're going to pretend like we didn't take a little unintentional four-month break. I think the term is a hiatus. Yeah, a surprise one. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to finish out the season strong and... Finish out and start. No, we started. We did start this season? Yeah. This isn't an official new season? No. It's a continuation? Yeah, we did okay. start. There was an ellipsis in there? Yeah. I like that. But now we're back. hey And we have an intro question, okay. if you're ready for it. Um, what's your favorite season? Wait, first of all, who are you? <laughs> My name is Jared, and I serve as the associate pastor, associate to the senior pastor at Park Springs Bible Church. Let's go. Who are you? My name's Taylor, and on Sunday I introduced myself as one of the ministry associates, but as it came out of my mouth, I was like, it's back to just the one. So I am currently the, the ministry, ministry associate. associate to the associate to the senior <laughs> pastor. Exactly. So we've got a big hierarchy here. But yeah. anyway, your you're favorite a, season. And you're a student? Oh, yes, I am a student, a little nursing student. Not for much longer, but... Um, I would say, well, Texas, I don't feel like has legit four seasons. So I would say those like three to six weeks a year where it's between 75 and 85. Mm. And you can like, I like eating out on my patio and going for walks. So if we had a spring and if we had a fall, it would probably be that. But it's like, you never know if it's going to jump from there was an ice storm to being 92 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, but if you just got like mild temperature, like seventy five to eighty five, yeah, that up. I would say I would say spring and fall also between the two probably fall. Yeah, we usually get you know like two transition weeks, and that's about it. Hmm. I think for most other like climates, that would be like spring. You know, they would get a couple of months of that. Unfortunately, today our topic is a little less fun and exciting than seasons. Than the other demons and breakups and no i meant then the seasons you know i wish we could just do a whole episode about the seasons but um you literally (laughs) won't just (laughs) the weather podcast but uh important biblical topics yes so i think for the remainder of this season we're gonna get into some things that i don't know they're pretty serious topics and you know, these are things that people wonder about and they're important conversations to have. They're just not my favorite conversations to have or things that we normally sit and talk about with our friends. But uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, what was, what was your idea with talking about the more serious things? Well, Taylor, you're asking the questions that people have but might not be willing to ask. Yeah. So I think that is important. There is, you know a lot of things that go on in life that is helpful to have 
a biblical perspective on and to, to talk about openly and honestly with people you uh, can trust and that are going to point you to Jesus. So although there are, yeah, we know um, in every day and age there's going to be those hot button issues. Um, but like most things, tough or otherwise, the, the Bible has something to say and we should be willing to, um, yeah, be willing to have the conversation. So what's our topic today, Taylor? Uh, today we're going to talk about homosexuality. Okay. That um, is something that can uh, cause um, some, yeah, difficult conversations. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, at one point or another, we're all going to encounter someone that maybe isn't a Christian because of this. Okay. Like, like from their, their understanding or view of what Christians think and believe? Yes. Okay. And just like oh, well, I can't give up this, so I just can't be Christian. Maybe that kind of thing. Okay. But um, we've got some good questions. Uh, we can start basic, uh, kind of setting the record straight. Okay. Um, but I say that because I think a lot of people assume they know what Christians think about okay. homosexuality, but this is like, let's just go straight to the source. Okay. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I would say the Bible addresses it in two ways. Uh, I would say the Bible absolutely addresses it specifically. Um, and, and then also, I think there's there's other passages and ideas you can um, bring in that talk about God's design for sex and relationships. So it doesn't specifically mention homosexuality, but it does give us a picture of this is what God intends. So you can know that outside of that, that is outside of what God intends. And so for me, I, I would say you absolutely go back uh, to the beginning of the Bible um, when God creates in the created order. Uh, so Genesis chapter 2 is when God makes humans, uh, so makes uh, man and woman. And then it kind of makes the, the first statement uh, that you get that refers to sexual relationship. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast or become one. Uh, with his wife and they shall become one flesh so that's biblically that's the term it's talking about sex so that's the first mention of a sexual relationship and so honestly even from that you can build a biblical principle that this is pre-sin and so this is establishing how sexual relationships are supposed to work mm. and so i would say you get that in a lot of other places in the bible and so christians have historically held to that um, that sexual relationships are only permissible within the confines of marriage. Like we think, you know, that whole idea of becoming one flesh, that's supposed to be a permanent thing. The New Testament affirms that, uh, that it wasn't God's plan even for divorce or if you have sex outside of your marriage is what they call adultery. And so you can really get a, a you can build a, a doctrine uh, or a value system for how we view sex off of that. Right. And so even, uh, you know, some of the most famous passages of the Bible, like the Ten Commandments, you know, the big ten rules that God gives to Moses for how the people of Israel are supposed to live and how we're supposed to live. In that, you get that command again that you should not commit adultery. Mm. And so that would be a sexual relationship outside of marriage. And so what most scholars would say is that the rest of the Old Testament law is a commentary on those ten rules. So a lot of people know that there's all the commandments in the Old Testament. Uh, so if you read through like the first five books of the Bible, you get a lot in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's within those commandments that you also get some specific mentions of homosexuality. 
So in Leviticus uh, chapter 18, mm-hmm. it actually has this really long list of all the sexual relationships that God prohibits. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you start to get uh, really sp- specific. And so what scholars would say is that that is expounding on the idea of not committing adultery. So you get the first mention of what marriage is in Genesis chapter 2 of man and woman becoming one, one flesh. That's establishing God's created intention for sex and sexual relationships. And then you get that again when God gives the law that uh, you should not commit adultery. So you shouldn't have sexual relationships outside of God's design. And then when that law is expounded into all the specifics, uh, Leviticus talks about that uh, a man and man should not have sexual relationships together. So it starts to get specific to homosexuality. Um, you also get the story in Genesis of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, right. um, where it's it's condemned that a group of men want to have sex with some other men. Um, a lot of times people start to bring up some objection to that because that they would say that's referring specifically to sexual assault. Um, but I would say that kind of progression of Genesis establishing God's created intention then it's reaffirmed uh, with the giving of the law and then expounded upon in Leviticus. Those are all specific instances where um, the Bible um, would say that homosexuality is outside of God's plan and design of um, sexual relationships are supposed to be within marriage and marriage is between a man and a woman. Now that is also uh, affirmed in the New Testament in mm-hmm. several instances. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I was going to ask. I feel like, from what you've said so far, there will be those people who are like, oh, well, isn't all of the old law done away with because of Jesus? Why do yeah. we need to follow so those can, old laws? Yeah. yeah. So we can get to that because, yeah, what does the Bible say about it? So Old Testament's part of the Bible. Exactly. So explicitly condemns it as being outside of God's plan. Um, so New Testament, uh, once again, there is the, um, I would say, scriptures that do uh, explicitly state it, and then the others that speak to the same idea. So Jesus, once again, so a lot of people like to say that Jesus doesn't address it, Mm -hmm. but Jesus does because he addresses adultery. And so that is addressing Mm -hmm. God's design for sexual relationships and what is outside of it. So it absolutely goes back to the Old Testament understanding of sexual relationships are within the confines of marriage and what is marriage. God established Mm. it between a man and a woman. So Jesus very much condemns adultery, including, you know, like unfaithfulness in your mind. So, I mean, Jesus makes the famous statement like that you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say if you even think lustfully about a woman. So, yeah, that is absolutely affirming the Old Testament God's moral stances on sexuality. And then the apostles pick up on that. So Paul speaks specifically about homosexuality in several Mm -hmm. instances in the New Testament. Uh, So so Romans one lays it out pretty clearly. Uh, that um, it is a result of the fall, so that people uh, no longer honor God as God. So Romans 1 talks about that people exchange the glory of God for other things, Mm -hmm. and it says because of that, we've been given up to our desires. And it says that uh, men have given up natural relationships with women and been inflamed with lust for other men in the same way women have been been given up to their lusts. So Paul absolutely explicitly lists homosexuality as outside of God's design. Uh, he does it again in 1 Corinthians 6. Um, Paul does this thing a lot in his letters where he writes lists of things that are outside of God's plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he you know, talks about fornicators. He talks about homosexuality. He talks about revilers. And he does say, you know, it is with a redemptive piece like, hey, all of us used to be dead in our sin. 
So he absolutely lists homosexuality in that sin category, um, but that a lot of followers of Jesus were once in this place until God redeemed them. Mm. And so the, the Bible, um, I, I would say, um, absolutely, the Bible talks about homosexuality, um, sometimes explicitly, sometimes through other commandments on God's just created design. Um, and overwhelm, overwhelmingly, the biblical narrative is that uh, homosexual relations homosexual sexual relationships are outside of God's design and so therefore people of God should not engage in that and it would be in that category that we call sin so we would view I would say the Bible describes homosexuality as sinful Mm. I'm gonna play devil's advocate just a little bit um, because there are lots of arguments I've heard about this yeah one of them being if being gay or homosexuality is a sin just like tons of other sins. I mean, people sin every day. Like, for yeah. example, um, lying. Like, mm-hmm. the Bible has lots to say about lying. There are still Christians that lie every single day. Yeah. Um, so address that first. I have a follow-up, but... Yeah, so, so sometimes the, the critique is that uh, Christians have overemphasized, like yes, that we've yes. put it in a different category. And, and I do not think it would be hard... Um, historically or even specific instances to show where communities of Christians have have not been kind or gracious uh, to people who either would say it's a struggle or who people who just say like, hey, I don't believe what you believe. And so I, I don't think that's I think that's a, a critique for sure. You know, sometimes people talk about like, hey, the Bible condemns divorce, but divorce people are welcome in your churches and mm-hmm. gay people are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and you, you're you going to, I mean, Christianity is broad. I mean, so it, it's going to vary a lot by which church you're in of how yeah. it's talked about and addressed. I, I would say um, that one of the distinctions I feel biblically um, is that there, I, I don't think there's a biblical category um, for a homosexual relationship that God would condone. And so I, I, w- I would say that's uh, a distinction. So, you know, the Bible does condemn divorce. Like it was not part of God's original plan uh, for, for men and women to end their marriages. Like God's plan for marriage was for it to be permanent. So Jesus talks about that. He's like, yeah, he's like, God let Moses have a provision because of the hardness of your hearts. Um, but I would say that the original intent for men and women to be in committed marital relationships is still there. So you know, I would say, you know, divorce in a lot of instances was probably, even if they were Christians, I would say a lot of divorces was were the result of sinful behavior, like that people should have stuck it out and they didn't. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't think you could make the argument like, hey, y'all haven't been as harsh about that. That makes this thing okay. Mm. It means we can work on being more balanced in how we address what the Bible calls sin. And we, and we need to be honest about that. And I, and I know, you know, I, I know people who uh, are followers of Jesus who have gotten divorced who would affirm that. Like, yeah, you know, I didn't behave in a godly way in my first marriage. I, I didn't do this right. Like, things went badly. And so I think most people would um, still affirm that, like, yeah, this this wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And so I, I think we can be honest that the Bible talks about both things. So it's not really a, a, a what aboutism. Um, it's more just like, hey, we should always go back to the Word of God and try to 
um, um, to the best of our broken fallen ability, um, live by it. Yeah. And I think divorce could be addressed in like a whole different episode, but I do hear these two compared the most. Yeah. And I think the argument is because they're both, this is what I heard someone say, like in both instances, um, like lying is a singular choice, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to lie right now. But these two are both choosing to live in a sin. So when okay. you get divorced and get remarried, you're choosing to, to be not married to the person you were originally married to. That's like an everyday living in it choice. And I've heard like being gay is the same thing. Like you're choosing every day to, uh, fulfill those desires that you have by being so is that a right way of thinking about it? Um, maybe. I mean, it, it does get more into because I think that the divorce thing is its own. Yeah, episode. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. And too so I much think one today. of the, one of the things you're touching on is is some of the issues that you know I, I have faced in conversations with people and ministering to people is like, what does it actually mean to be gay? Um, and so yes. how do we actually talk about that reality that some people are attracted to the same sex as them? Um, which I would say is a reality. And so, yeah, there's lots of different ways that comes up. And so I would say the most probably common cultural term is gay, which uh, I, I would say typically um, what Christian communities, how we would define it is same-sex attraction. Yes. Um, and so that's the term I probably use the most. Um, As with, opposed with to saying being gay? Oh, you know, if that's some, how somebody refers to themselves. Like I, I have had that conversation with people someone and they're like yeah i'm gay and so i would you know i would use that term because that's the term they're using well i i think an accurate description of what that is is same-sex attraction and so that's kind of an interesting part of the conversation is that we have um kind of elevated it to mm -hmm. this is a type of person yes. versus this is a desire someone has yes and i, and I think that kind of can convolute the conversation because inevitably and i'm guessing these are some of the questions you have is like uh, can a gay person be a Christian or, you know, in any of those sorts of things, it's, you know, how we use the term is going to vary by person. And so I, I that's the one I, I most commonly use is like someone with same sex attraction. Um, and so because that's another question, can someone be born gay? You know, there's all these ways we utilize <laughs> that term. Um, and so I, I would say, you know, I, I think it's an honest definition to say we're talking about someone who is sexually attracted to the same sex. So same-sex attraction. Now, a lot yes. of people elevate that for themselves, like, I am gay. This is yes. who I am. Yeah, and I think that's why, I think for me, too, this is why it's such a touchy subject because being gay, especially in today's society, it forms part of their identity. Like, mm -hmm. they, they identify as being gay, and they're part of this larger community that celebrates that and encourages yeah. that. And um, I think that's why I find this hard to talk about because at that point you're not just talking about – So I keep comparing it to lying, and I know it's not the same thing, yeah. but, like, instead of, hey, you did this and that wasn't right, it's like you're attacking who they are as a being. At least in their mind, it's yeah. like you're not accepting me how I am. Like, this is a part – you know? So yeah. I think that's why it's so touchy and why people get so, um, like, emotionally charged when they yeah. talk about this because – it's hard when you're attacking someone's character. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I would say like our our sexual our sexuality is a powerful driver of, of our humanness. Like it is a big intrinsic part of, of who we are as people. Um, um, you know, I would say like as as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, 
I, w- I want my primary identity to be in Christ. So that's like the first thing about me, like the foundational level is I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, but that's not going to be everybody. And even, even you know, for, for myself, yeah, I, I do have other aspects of I, my identity that do feel like this is me. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, part of that would be like being married. Like my yeah. marriage is part of who I am. Me being a dad is part of who I am. Like those are powerful identity drivers. And so I, I get why that is a difficult yeah. discussion because, you know, our sexuality is is very formative in, in who we are. And so a lot of people do I identify very strongly with that. You know, they, they are gay. That's how they would present themselves. That is a, a, a large component of their lives. But it can, you know, and that's why, yeah, it, it probably is a tough conversation for a lot of people um, because it might not matter how you approach the topic somebody might leave feeling attacked or belittled or yeah. vilified for something that they think is an intrinsic part of who they are. Yeah. So it does make it difficult. Yeah. You alluded to the question a little bit earlier, but can you be Christian and be gay? Um, I think in the past like few years, it's become less of Christian people versus gay people and more like you can be Christian and be gay let's combine them and let's have a gay affirming church where all of us are gay and all of us are Christian so can you speak into that a little bit yeah you know that is um, something that's transpired and I would say something that has uh, surprised me over my adult life so even if I think back to when I was in high school uh, so early 2000s um, there it seemed like there was more of a divide coming and what I would have predicted is that more and more people uh, would quit identifying as Christian because they've chosen more of a, a, a secular understanding of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been the divide. Like, hey, I'm no longer Christian because I think it's archaic or nonsense or bigoted, whatever it is. And, you know, we just have a secular mindset, which in people do. But I would say one of the things that has, um, I would say, transpired um, in the past decade, and there was probably roots of it late earlier, uh, but you see it more and more, is uh, people wanting to change historically Christian stances on our views of sexuality. And so now, yeah, you would get, uh, there have been whole Christian denominations that changed their doctrinal statements to allow for um, same-sex mm. marriage, same-sex unions, that and that they would say that this is um, uh, something that could be honorable before God. Um, and, and you can find um, you can find authors, books, scholars, people who would um, write out a biblical defense, what they would say is a biblical defense of homosexuality. So you can find you can find that literature. You can find those things of people saying like, hey, I am a Christian and here's all the reasons biblically why I think homosexuality is okay. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the ones I've looked at and the ones I've read um, aren't very good biblical interpretation. And I wouldn't say, like, I would say that, like, they're not an honest reading of the Bible. Um, so you do, you get those. And I, I've, I've read those and you'll find people that might have kind of gone down this path. And the, the scriptures I read of saying, like, hey, here's why biblically I think homosexuality is condemned they'll have a rebuttal of, hey, this is why that doesn't actually say what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, so including... Or they're like, it doesn't specifically say 
yeah, homosexuality. homosexuality. It's we, not talking about that. Yeah, they would say that we added that in, mm-hmm. that Jesus doesn't really talk about it. Um, and, and some of some of the issues, so I would say the main thing that hinges on w- with what I've read of people trying to say this biblical passage doesn't actually condemn homosexuality, um, they would point to, or what they would say is that what it does condemn is any form of um, sexual assault or um, like going to prostitution um, and it does not refer, they would say it does not refer to a committed monogamous homosexual relationship. So that's what they would try to say. And so one of the arguments, so like when Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, this word he uses that we translate homosexuality, it talks about a man sharing a bed with a man. So they would say that that word is referring to either like an old predator, like a pedophile, pedophilic relationship or a, you know, a sexual assault or going to a prostitute because they would say that there wasn't, um, there wasn't historically a normative, uh, monogamous, faithful, loving homosexual relationships. So that's what they'd say. There was no oh, context for that at the time, which um, I've also read um, non-Christian historians who would say that's not true. So homosexuality has been around as long as people have been around. You know, and especially a lot of the New Testament was written in the Greek-speaking world, mm. and there is plenty of historical yeah. evidence that there was consensual monogamous homosexual relationships. And so, th- so people w- will try to say that the Bible doesn't condemn it, and they'll take those passages that I would point to as yes, the Bible does, and and they will try to twist it or say that it's a problem of interpretation. Um, and so, you know, there's usually about five or six passages that people will go to and say like. And then they'll write a really long defense of here's why it doesn't actually mean that. <laughs> um, so I'd say it's a problem of interpretation and it's also a, a problem historically mm. because we have collectively as people who follow Jesus, we have a, a, a historical view of our theology, of our doctrinal statements. Right. And there is not a Christian historical position that homosexuality is okay. Like collectively, as followers of Jesus, we've interpreted those passages the same way since the first century. And so it's really a modern invention that, hey, the past, you know, 1900, 2000 years of Christian history, they were all wrong. They were all wrong. Which the other thing, and I've even had this conversation with friends before who've kind of gone down this path, is, um, okay, let's just theoretically say all those passages that mention homosexuality don't, which they do, <laughs> you, you can't find something else that affirms it. Yeah. And so if you want to say like, hey, Leviticus is gone and done away with, so it doesn't actually condemn it, or Paul's talking about something else, or we've mistranslated, you, you can't find a, a, a biblical passage that uh, affirms or condones same-sex relationships. It's not in the Bible. It's not an honest reading of the Bible, uh, historically speaking. Um, and so even, you know, I've, I've read lots of um, biblical scholars who are not Christians. You can find those people who, like, who just read the Bible to study it. And, and they would say, like, an honest reading of the Apostle Paul is that he condemns homosexuality. And so. So then what is the deal with all of these churches that are popping up that that are I don't like I I literally don't understand. I I think all of us are are going to have a pull as humans to want to fit into the times. And we do that on on a variety of issues. I mean, 
we were talking earlier about political things, you know, and so it's going to be easy for the church to get pulled into positions uh, that um, might just make us feel better or might make us feel a bit more accepted. And so that I would say that's been the trend over the past 15, 20 years. Um, Some of it is like, hey, the Bible is outdated. This is old. We're not taking all of it like we need to move on from this or else we're going to become irrelevant. Um, Some of it, I would say there, you know, what I've heard, there has been, you know, an honest attempt to repair um, past hate. And I I would say that's good. Like, like I said, it would not be hard to find lots of examples of Christians uh, being unkind or being unhateful or being unwelcoming um, to, Mm -hmm. to, to gay people like that wouldn't be hard to find and so i think some of it's out of that maybe maybe some guilt over uh, our collective past that we haven't loved people well when where god's called us to love people well um i guess my thing is if it's a matter of salvation and someone really does have a saving relationship with jesus and they're going to heaven because of that and they happen to live a gay lifestyle or um indulge in their same-sex attraction desires mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. is that is that a if they're saved, what does it matter? Like, why is the church so, why does the church feel so strongly about this issue? Mm -hmm. Which I guess you mentioned earlier too, the church has always taken a strong stance on it, but why? Yeah. Well, well, and one of the things too, so some people would, you know, take the Bible and say like, Hey, it doesn't mean what you've always said it means, but some people have also just like limited the authority of the Bible. Mm. So the Bible is good ish, but we can kind of pick and choose what we want. So it becomes a bigger issue. Like, well, I would say those are also, uh, I would say, traditions and denominations that end up changing their stance on human sexuality. Um, also, like that the Bible as a whole becomes, all of it becomes a gray area. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's good. We like these parts, but we don't like these those parts. And so, I mean, I mean, just to be honest, we are in a what would be considered a very conservative theologically driven church and tradition like yeah yeah we are and so like the bible that's our that's our thing that's our jam everything's going to go back to it and so i mean we would view it as the final authority of life and practice and so not not everybody who claims to be a christian is going to have the same stance on the bible as a whole and then that will translate to other like hot button issues and so for us like okay how are we forming our opinion of this thing that's very controversial in our culture right now we're going back to the bible and so what we see in the bible is absolutely we are supposed to be loving and we are supposed to include people and we are supposed to be kind because that's what the New Testament describes. While at the same time, we're never going to not call sin, sin because it's not doing anybody any favors to keep them in a place separated from God because they have chosen their own sinfulness over a relationship with their creator. And so, so we are going to take it seriously. be gay and be saved? So once again, it depends on what you mean by being gay. Like... So I would say absolutely there can be people who have same sex attraction that yes, sexually speaking I would agree with that. they are attracted to the to the same gender same sex yes um, and love honor and follow Jesus absolutely but it, people that are in it I guess it it varies case by case it's like asking it's like wondering about anyone's salvation which is kind of not between yeah, yeah there is there yeah. is an element of it uh, between them and the Lord. Um, because once again, we would also have to, so it's like, okay, can they have this, but never act on it? It's like, well, I have sinful desires that I do act on and I I would absolutely be confident in my salvation. So, so there is, there might be some gray areas in individual cases. Um, what, what I would definitely, uh, try to encourage people to is, um, 
that if, if we are speaking positionally about homosexuality or same-sex attraction, the Bible condemns it and forbids it for those who want to follow Christ. And so does that mean you could say like, hey, look, I'm gay, but I want to follow Jesus, and so I'm not going to act on it? Yes, you mm. can. Yes. You know, if I was pastoring someone, uh, I, I think one of the things I, I've read and would encourage is, um, you know, if that's part of your journey and your story, I would much rather encourage someone to identify with their savior versus their temptation. Right. And, and so I, I don't think on, on a pastoral level, that would be something I'd encourage for somebody to be like, hey, I'm a gay Christian, which means <laughs> I have this attraction, but I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm just being yeah, like, open. Keep them I'm being open and honest about it. Yeah. And I do, I do think that is some of the position some people take. And, yeah. you know, I would just say like, I would just identify as a Christian. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. But, but that is a movement too. And some people would be more in that camp of just like allowing people to be open about yes. their struggles. And I am, I am pro that because I think all of us in the church should kind of come and push our sin out in the open so that we can deal with it. But I would say there's like certain practices that are more helpful than others. Um, and, and I would say that is, um, you know, something I have been around in relationships I have had with people who would, yeah, say like, hey, I have same-sex attraction. This is a part of my journey. It's part of my story. It's part of my struggle. Um, but I love Jesus, and I think Jesus is better than me indulging in that. Yeah. And so I know those people. Like those are, those are personal relationships I have. Yeah, and I think what you said earlier at the very beginning is a good summary of like identifying with Jesus first, mm-hmm. not putting your identity in the thing that you struggle with. That is not a good place to be, even if it's what culture is doing, yeah. which we've talked about the influence of culture on Christianity before, yeah. but it's... Which isn't new. Yeah, and it, it's not just this issue either. So I guess I, I have two final questions to wrap up. Okay. The first one it is like engaging in politics. Why this is something I think in politics is where okay. there's a big distinction between christians and you know the secular like why do christians care so much if other people get married so um, when, that when same-sex marriage was legalized yes, and a this lot of is a big hot it. button issue why you, do christians care so the argument i've heard is it doesn't affect you so why do you care so yeah. much like why are you angry and picketing and screaming yeah. about this when it doesn't affect you at all yeah okay so there's a couple of different takes on that and, and you can't go back and forth. So one, one of the things is like, okay, um, as a Christian, I'm not going to expect non-Christians to believe what I do. So that would be one position. What? Yes. And, and I feel like that applies to lots of issues. Yeah. Uh, to me, where the political thing gets messy is kind of, so I would say marriage inherently is a religious idea. Yes. So all of its roots, all of its cultures, all, like every culture. Oh, I see what and road so, you're going down. Yes. And okay. so that to me has made it messy because we do allow the government to license it. Yes. Which does make it confusing. So I would say this from a Christian perspective. Although um, it is within the American tradition that w- nobody has to be a certain religion. You, you know, it's in the Constitution, yes. it's in the Bill of Rights, you know. But what I would also say that as Christians— there is a holistic view of life in the world of what's going to make people flourish and make societies flourish and make our country stronger. And I would say a lot of those are in traditional Christian values. And so a lot of people would come at it from the perspective, like regardless of faith in Jesus, 
it will be better for our society and country to affirm what is a natural order of relationships. Yeah. So men and women get married and then they have babies. So that is like, so it's promoting human flourishing to say like, it is still good, even if it's not, even if we can't force somebody to believe in Jesus through a law, it is still good to advocate for laws that Mm -hmm. are within God's created order. Does that make sense? Yes, that's a really good, yes, that's a good way to summarize. But I do see it. I do see a little bit of it both ways. Like I don't expect a non-Christian to have the same view of sexuality that I do. Yeah. And so it is kind of this weird, okay, why does the government license our marriages? You know, there are these tax protections and things. Um, Like personally, I believe marriage at its root definition that cannot be changed Mm -hmm. is the union before God of a man and a woman. And so, so I guess in that scenario, the issue is the definition of marriage because the government says marriage is basically two people doing life together and they get a little bit of a tax break. But then the Christian definition of marriage is what you're saying. So those things don't add up. So there's going to be yeah, there's tension. Different views, That's the word that I was Which is kind about. of interesting on the, if you're outside of Christianity, like, hey, why does it matter? Um, well, we define marriage like that. And so they're saying, well, if it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't matter. It's like, but currently the government is still defining marriage because they're still saying that marriage is monogamous to an extent. Right. So now it is changing because I would say polygamy is being more open again. You know, we've got, you know, sister wives on TLC and things like that. So now that it's like, okay, we just, we drew our line, we drew our box around what we believe marriage is. You're still doing that. Mm -hmm. You're still saying marriage is a committed monogamous relationship. And so you just don't have any, um, external authority you're basing that off of which means that as time goes on it's going to continue to change for society and it is going to be like because there's not a a foundational view of truth that that's based off of which will allow for arguments like okay polygamous marriage marriage to an object marriage to an animal you know it will get there yeah um yeah. So, so that's why people do feel strongly about it because it does have a, a broader impact on society. Um, and, you know, we can see that historically on, you know, civilizations that have flourished and civilizations that have fallen apart. An emphasis on family is huge. And so people would still advocate for it outside of just a faith in Jesus position that this is just better for humanity, better for societies to have marriage defined as a man and a woman. Mm. I feel like this podcast could be like an hour long because then this that brings up the point that I've heard before of people saying like, so you don't think that two gay parents can raise children and that those children will flourish and be fine? Yeah. And so once again, it'll always get into weird for instances. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's easy to do what, what I would say. And I would like to draw it back in to, to things that are personal um, because so one of the things I know and I've experienced and had lots of conversations with. You know, we're we're in Texas, we're in the Bible Belt, we have a lot of people that have grown up in Christianity, and so what becomes more of a struggle for people is like, hey, I know I learned in Sunday school that homosexuality was wrong, but I have this family member, or I have this best friend, or co-worker, whoever it is, who's gay, and then that's where it becomes a point of tension, is that they feel like the only option to love this person is to change their point of view. And so that's what I would say what I've experienced pastorally the most is talking with people who are wrestling with the faith that they were brought up in and personal relationships where they feel like they have to choose one or the other. Yeah. 
And I would say that's that's very tough. And that's um, but once again, I would come back to my personal, deeply held conviction is if I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the most loving thing I could do for someone is to never compromise on what the Bible says is Mm going to remove them from fellowship with God. Now, I do think, and you can once again get into all these for instances, uh, I would emphasize the love in a relationship. I would emphasize that like, um, and I would encourage family members and friends that it does. If you hold to the traditional biblical view of sexuality, it doesn't mean you have to bring it up in every conversation or in the first conversation or even maybe in the 20th conversation. I think you can emphasize the love, grace, acceptance, inclusion, invitation of Jesus. Yes. Uh, that's that's where I would encourage, yeah. I would guess, most yes. of our listeners mm-hmm. is that we don't have to change our, our biblically held view of sexuality, but in practice with people you know, the Bible is pretty clear on love and kindness, which yeah. I don't think is at odds with believing what the Bible says about sexuality. Yes. And and that was my final question, you know, and you're speaking into it now, which is like that line between um, just acceptance and tolerance and how do we how do we interact and love those people well that we know struggle with this yeah. um, with this sin. So is there anything else you'd say to that? Well, I was just say relationships really matter. Um, and. Um, and you're not going to argue someone into uh, no. giving up that lifestyle. No. or Yeah, and I think yeah, that. I think it would be hard to have like a hard and fast, when do I bring it up, when do I don't, when am I supposed to? <laughs> yes. I would say, so like I'm in a position as a pastor. So already like most people know like I, yes, I speak to them about spiritual matters mm-hmm. and, and where I stand. And so, you know, there have been times when, you know, within the church setting that somebody told me like, hey, I'm gay. And so I do think it is appropriate for me at that time to make sure that they know, like, I love you. I want you here. Um, the Bible does speak about this. If you want to talk about this further, let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the opportunities I've had in those relationships, I go really out of my way to make sure that person knows that I love them first and foremost. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, like yes. I said, we, we are in a conservative theological church. Most people know where we stand. Yeah. And so and I'm, like I'm not going to compromise earlier, on that. Yeah. Like the, uh, a lot of people, you know, especially as they approach their pastor with this information, they have an idea already of where you might be yeah. coming from. So it's good to kind of set that straight and be like, I'm not coming from a place of hating you, of judging you, of thinking you're disgusting. Like yeah. all the things that, you know, some, the most vocal Christians about this subject, these are the things they're saying, but yeah, yeah Which it, them. and I would say like what what the relationship is in the setting matters. So like I would say like that's typically within the church setting or me as a pastor. Like I have hobbies, so mm-hmm. one of the things I like yes. to do is play ultimate frisbee. You know, and so if I'm like just going out and playing ultimate frisbee, and I encounter somebody that's gay or has their same sex partner or whatever it is, I don't feel like my first <laughs> conversation is like, hey, just to make sure you know. I am anti-homosexuality, but I love, you know, like it's just a, ma- <laughs> you know, yes. And so exactly. it depends on the relationship yes. and because, so here's what I would also say that I, that I've, you know, talked to Christians about before. So uh, and say it's even within the church setting. I mean, my blanket encouragement is for people to submit their lives to Jesus Christ, because I think it's the ultimate way to experience joy, fulfillment, happiness, and ultimately everlasting life. And so if I'm talking to somebody who has a, a myriad of struggles, my encouragement is submit this to Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And so, which I've also been able to point out to people who who would consider themselves gay is like, hey, and I've, I've literally had this conversation like, hey, my goal isn't for you to become straight and be attracted <laughs> to the opposite sex. My goal is for you to submit your life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's a problem yes. with that yes. if you are circling this big area of your life and saying Jesus can't touch it. And I think that's where mm-hmm. it comes down to for most people like, hey, I want to be a Christian, but this it's like, that's a problem because Jesus is going to be Lord of your life. Yes. And so I'm not telling you what's going to be the end result of this in who or what you're attracted to. But I'm saying that's if you're following point. Jesus, you got to let him have access to everything. Yes. Like, yeah, I think that's something that I didn't learn till later on in the, you know, reading about this, learning about it. It's people aren't always going to have that attraction taken away from them. Like, that's not the end goal. It's not like, become Christian, and then you'll become straight. It's like, no, for most people, that's not actually how it goes. Yeah, which is interesting. And it's one of the other things, you know, I hear a lot kind of as I listen to other podcasts and critiques and and things like that. You know, one of the things I've heard people say, and, and, you know, with the people I've known that, like, have same-sex attraction, I've known both. I've known people who would say that God delivered them from that, who now are, are married um, to somebody of the opposite sex and love them and enjoy them and all those things. And I've known other people who've just like, hey, it's never less left. It's just part of my life and I have to stay faithful to Jesus and be careful yeah. about the decisions I make. But, you know, one of the things I hear, you know, um, outside of like Christian settings is people like, okay, well, if somebody's gay, that's just who they are. And so you just expect them like to not ever either have sex or to, that you think that they can change, but they can't. And, and I think it's, you know, it's interesting to me. It's like, okay, one of the things I believe is that my God became a human, died, and then three days later rose from the dead. And so absolutely, I believe that somebody could have one sexual attraction or sexual orientation and God could change their, like, that is not outside my supernatural faith. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's not a, a, a very good critique of Christianity because right. like, do I believe somebody could change? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like I literally think God rose from rose himself from the dead. Yes. Like I believe in the miracles of the Bible, you know, like, so absolutely it's within God's power. It's within the biblical narrative that somebody absolutely could have this attraction and then God changes them and they don't. But the Bible also talks about most, most of us are going to struggle with sin our whole life. And so it's trusting on the grace of Jesus and picking ourselves up day after day, time after time and, and realizing that Jesus is better than any of my sinful inclinations. And that's for straight people or gay people, mm. you know, because a lot of people struggle with sexual addiction on other levels that is heterosexual, but very much still outside of God's plan for our sexuality. And so, yeah, absolutely. God could change somebody's sexual yeah, orientation. That's true. Absolutely. But that uh, most of us, that's not the end goal. <laughs> yeah. The end goal is being faithful to Jesus, you yeah. know, of, of becoming one with Christ through our discipleship and our followership of him slowly over the course of our life. You know, we're going to be changed from one degree of glory to the next is how mm. Peter describes it. And so that's going to be, I would say the most normative is that people just have to choose Jesus over, over their desires. And that's all of us. Yes. You know, yes. and that is, that yes. is Christianity. Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me, they must deny themselves which would be all of our broken sexuality on some level, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Mm. And so, I mean, I know ton of heterosexual guys that are fighting pornography. That is outside of God's plan for sexuality. And they got to deny themselves and they got to get rid of things and they got to limit their access to stuff. You know, so I would think it, it would be in a similar vein that all of us have a broken sexuality to an extent. Yes. And so 
the goal of Christians is to, you know, deny our brokenness and, and pray for resurrection in, in our mortal bodies that Jesus would do a work in us that brings us closer to him over time. Mm. And so I would say it's in, in, in the same vein of, of how the Bible blanketly describes sexual sin. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I think we hit all the things. I think this has been a really good conversation. Well, I'm sure there's somebody else who would have a specific question. And, you know, and I do think this conversation's good. I'm for this. Um, you know, I, we, we have addressed it sometimes in like a Sunday sermon. And I think that's important because I don't want to I don't want to be secretive about what we believe. And I always tell that to people, you know, we we do the college ministry. Yes. And definitely with young people, it's more open. There's less stigma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I've literally had that conversation with people. Some I, you know, said like, hey, I'm gay. Can I come to your group? And I was like, absolutely, you're yes. gay. I'm like, hey, just to let you know, this is where our church stands. But we want you there. Like, come and be a part of it. So I, I, I never want to trick somebody into my church. Uh, yeah, of course. I want to be open and honest and say like, hey, we, we want you there. Like, I'm I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I'm a not going to be secretive about welcome, what I believe. Yes. Uh, but I'm going to go out of my way to say like, hey, we want you there. And like, we have non-Christians who come to our church a lot. So you don't have to believe what I believe to attend my church. Um, I want people here to to hear about Jesus, to hear about how he loves them and accepts them and made them for himself so that they'll fall in love with him and realize there's there's better things in this life than what the world has to offer them. Yeah, that's good. Mic drop. But it is a big topic. Yeah. And it can cause some, some conflict for yeah. sure. And we're open to like further questions that this may come up with because it's hard to answer every question about every single aspect of this debate or hot button conversation but for sure yeah thank you pastor jared do what i can yes jesus we're team jesus yeah pro bible pro jesus all of it okay okay If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or feedback about the podcast, please email us at askingforafriend@psbible.com. For more information on our church, visit psbible.com.